These are Bora voices. Yeah, uh, there are one, two, three, four, five people in this room. And if, if nobody lied on the resume, at least four of us have been to college. So that's Maybe there were cool. a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, who knows? Uh, yeah, this is our welcome. This is episode 20 of the Bora Pridecast, and it is devoted to college. And the kids getting ready to go there. We are in prime season in November for students writing college essays. You'll hear some of those. Uh, also, a bunch of uh, different bits and pieces of college advice from our college and career counselor, Jenny Kimball. We'll have an interview coming up for that. And I was just sitting here thinking, I'm going to name the colleges I went to by the mascots. First, I was a wildcat. Then I was a duck. And then I was a Bronco. And last, I was a Vandal. It's a, it's a menagerie. It's like a Noah's Ark of, of college, uh, college experience mascots. I went to two sporting events out of those four colleges, so I really shouldn't even talk about uh, the, uh, the mascots uh, that I uh, am represented by. But speaking of mascots, Mr. Rose, tell us a little bit about your college life. Yeah, started early. Um, I was a Vandal first, then a Bronco, then I went to Leslie University for my master's in curriculum instruction. So I've got, I am very qualified to teach, obviously. I wanted you to talk about your mascot experience. Oh, that's a good point. I was the Vandal for some time. Um, yeah, that was a good experience. I got kicked out of more games than any other Vandal, I believe. I, uh, that's... I think you're doing, doing your job right then, yeah, right? There's... I thought so. Crowd surfing, they didn't like it. Um, um, Backflips off the drinking fountain, didn't like it. Good. Rollerblades on the basketball floor, didn't oh, like it. No one likes that. <laughs> and um, rappelling off the top of the dome, didn't like it. At the University of Idaho? At the University At the Kibbe Dome? In the Kibbe Dome. Ah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Good times. Good times. <laughs> Yeah, it, that didn't happen for me. I was a bear first, and then a bronco, and I'm taking some classes from UC Berkeley. I have no idea what their mascot is. Are they bears also? Maybe I'm a bear I think again. It's an abacus. Yeah, probably. An, I'm an <laughs> abacus UC now. Berkeley abacai. <laughs> <laughs> I could be no, wrong. That's a mascot I can get behind. Right? Yeah, I don't actually know what Berkeley might be. A haircut. I mean, yeah, I, don't, sure. <laughs> I don't know what you get. A protest sign? A protest sign. A placard. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a placard, and yeah, you write your own protest right. on that it, and then you graduate. Uh, Laura, tell us about the interview with Miss Atkins. Oh, well, so I, episode. yeah, I talked to Grace Atkins, who graduated last year, about her experience being dropped off at college and what adapting to college like was like just at the beginning, which was really cool, especially because Mr. Rose followed up. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, the prep period cold call was to her mother that works here at Bora, Pam Atkins, and um, I asked her the same question. So we'll get to see later in the episode how that differs. Yeah, we'll see who's lying. <laughs> one, one of these Atkins is lying. I like it. Uh, Ellie, Eleanor mm-hmm. Smith. Who did you talk to? I talked to my sister Harriet Smith, who graduated two years ago, so one year of seniority. Uh, and she's at University of Montana right now. And I asked her about college life and what she's doing uh, and how she likes it. So awesome. Yeah, early subscribers to uh, the Bora Pridecast will remember the Hattie Minute. 
And that is uh, Hattie's sister. Now we have the Ellie moment. The uh. Ellie event. I don't know what. what we'll find a name. It'll yeah, get, we'll, we'll get there. We'll name it out. All right. By the time you graduate, we'll have a name for what you do. Yay, and then you'll remember it after that. Maybe in two years I'll get a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Classic throwback. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, also, uh, on uh, this uh, episode, you'll hear some student uh, application essays for college. Uh, they are uh, varied and interesting and funny and compelling, and I'm almost certain that uh, all three that you hear will get those kids into the college of their dreams. That is our hope, of course. I think we're ready for this episode to drop, so let's uh, let's put it in the old bread basket and send it wherever you send a bread basket. I don't know I don't if that's even anyone. a thing. That's not, Probably not. That's not a thing. It, All right. Yeah, let's, okay. Everybody remember, <laughs> these are Bora Voices. searching for colleges is because by this time next year, you guys will probably already have applied to a lot of your colleges. Some of you already know exactly where you want to go, and that's awesome, I love it. Some of you don't. Some of you know you want to go out of state, but you don't know where. So there's, you're all kind of in different places, which is okay. These are Bora Voices. I'm Topanga Rains, and my common application essay is named Ink. I sat in awe as I listened to the melody of the buzzing of the gun, the way it pricked my mother's skin repeatedly. She was calm, content, and compliant. It was hypnotizing. She accepted the uncomfortable penetration to mark her body with her belief. The concentration of the artist as he forever printed his work onto her skin. This was the first time I'd ever seen a real tattoo done. I wanted to get closer, watch how it worked, how he refilled on the ink, Changed colors. It was fascinating. I'd never put much thought into it before. Until my mom asked me if I wanted to go watch her to get her tattoo done when I was 13. Curvy font decorating the underside of her collarbone. I loved how she trusted him to leave his inky creation set into her like an artist painting the walls. I have always been an artistic kid. I knew I wanted to do something that included anything filled with imagination. I didn't like numbers, and I still don't. It is stressful and migraine-inducing to me. 
but ones I put pencil to paper, tools to clay, brush to canvas, I feel at peace. For a long time, I wanted to do special effects makeup for Hollywood movies. Being a horror fanatic, fantasy lover, and all along the lines of fiction, I thought this is what I wanted to do. Until the day I went to watch my mom obtain her 30-minute tattoo. Ever since that experience, I wanted to know all about it. The requirements to become a great tattoo artist, enhancing my skills, memorize every part of a tattoo machine. I don't see tattoos as things you'll regret when you get older. I see them as accomplishments, memorials, passions, overcomings. They are meanings. Many older people see the younger generations with tattoos, piercings, and body modifications. All they see is tainted, waste of money, and regrets. I see them as amplifiers, just like music. Musicians use amplifiers to intensify their creation, to bring out more of the sound than just noise, to make you feel the music, not just to hear it. This is exactly how I see tattoos and piercings. After I started to feel the flare of passion for tattooing, I started to design all sorts of drawings for my family members and close friends. With this increasing abilities in my drawings, my mom decided to contact her tattoo artist. She noticed how interested I'd become, so she showed him some of my art. I was shocked to learn that he was willing to mentor me on the basics and what requirements I needed to fulfill to become a great tattoo artist. He told me that if I should ever go on to own my own shop, it'd be best to major in business in college and also minor in art, of course. He agreed to show me how to transfer a drawing to a tattoo paper. I learned that I want to make experiences, create things that are forever worth having. It isn't something to be taken lightly. Tattooing is a huge responsibility. I will value creativity, passion, and honest behind my future work. I learned a lot through my mother's tattoo artist. I will use everything I've researched and have been taught to build the necessary basics of entering this business and bettering every day until I reach my ultimate goal of making this my profession. Learning that out of all forms of art in this world, I chose tattooing is quite unexpected. If you told me at 10 years old that I'd be pursuing tattoo artistry, I probably wouldn't have believed you. I love the profession, but I love the uniqueness of it more no matter how much I will get judged. These are border voices. Because this is for the podcast, will you introduce yourself? Okay, my name is Grace Atkins. I'm a freshman in college. And where did you graduate from? I will bore high school. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we are wondering about the, like, the drop-off experience. Like when you first showed up at college, and like your family was dropping you off, what was that experience like? Um, it was super overwhelming because all of a sudden you're just like, you're at college. And especially like as an out of state student, it's extra just like a whole new place, like whole new city. And then also like just getting to your dorm, you're like, oh my God, I'm living here now. And what was it like saying goodbye to your family? Um, it was. It was a little hard, but also at the same time, like, I was very excited and also so, it kind of went over my head that I was saying goodbye, because it was just like, we were just standing at the car, and I was like, okay, see you guys, I guess, and then I had, um, my college did, like, a lot of new student orientation stuff, so they were keeping us busy, I think, very purposefully, 
to not have to just sit and be like, okay, well, now I'm parentless and in college. So it was it was hard, but also it wasn't like devastating for me. Did it hit you later? Definitely. Yeah. I think it was just like three days in, I had a moment of being like, oh my God, I'm in college and like, you know, did what any college kid does, which is like have a little breakdown and then you're fine. That's good. That's good. Did you um, now talk to your family a lot or are you more in college now, in college space? I don't know. I would say a little bit of both, weirdly. Like, it's it's both, like, I'm very in my college life. Like, I am very focused on it and don't think about it often. But when the opportunities come to, like, talk to my family, I take them. And, like, I take them for, like, an hour or more, like, I think it's just both. I'm both very immersed in my college life and at the same time, like I keep in contact with everybody a lot. That's good. Uh, if you were going to give advice to kids showing up to college for the first time, what what would you say? Oh, my God. Um, I don't know. I guess I would just say, like, like this is advice for a kid that is showing up now. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, one, don't be afraid to ask questions and, like, talk. Like, whether that's asking someone for, like, directions on your own campus or, like, just, like, talking to the RA you just met and stuff like that. Just make sure you, like, vocalize for yourself because that's going to be really important. And also your parents aren't there to do that for you anymore. And also just take a moment for yourself, too. Because, like I said, it's overwhelming. And so just when you get there and you're, like, unpacking all this stuff, like, just take a moment, sit down process that's very important to just process and then and then go do whatever you need to go do perfect pam atkins pam atkins this is pat rose and this is the prep period cold call do you have a second to talk sure fantastic okay i'm gonna start with the basics how long have you been at bora and what have you taught in that time? I've been at Bora since 1992. Okay. I, by the way, I graduated in 91. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. And I have taught every kind of English at every level, plus journalism, newspaper, AVID, and AP seminar. What was your favorite class to teach? I loved teaching uh, junior English. That was uh, just a really fun time for me years ago, and of course, I love the most AP Lit. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I'm going to jump into it now. This is the graduation, I mean, not the graduation, but the uh, going off to college uh, okay. segment, and your baby, Grace, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yes. Your youngest, your little bird, Yes. has left the nest and gone off to college. That happened, yeah. It happened, right. Um, where is she going? She goes to Pacific Lutheran in Tacoma, Washington. In Tacoma. She's in Tacoma. How's she doing? She's doing great. She loves it. Good. Okay, now, I want to talk about the drop-off experience. Okay. Okay? We all remember that moment being a, uh, being a student. We also, I think, as parents, we, we remember that very, very well. I am a new parent, so I've got a little, little time, but I want to talk to you about that. So, okay. If you, no, 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 what, what do you remember about that moment that Grace turned away and walked towards the dorm? 
Well, I have it in photographs because I kept taking pictures of her as she walked away and across the road and across her campus towards her dorm while I felt like my heart was being ripped out of my chest. So a lot of pictures of her back. Yeah. Walking away. Yeah. So so other than your heart being ripped out of your chest, <laughs> explain to me how it felt watching her go. Like, Give us, give us that moment. Well, I mean, for one, uh, and this is advice maybe more to kids, Grace did a smart thing, which was to kind of make that call when after we had helped her move into her dorm that it was time to go. And we were, her dad and I were very shocked because we thought we would be hanging out longer and then even seeing her the next day. And so she very wisely was like, I think we're done and it's been great and it's time for you guys to go. So she walked us to the parking lot and it was a mixture of feeling really proud of her because I could see her positioning herself to walk back to this new life on the campus and also wisely to know that it would be better if we didn't hang on to her and she didn't hang on to us that it was just kind of like time to go and do this new thing. And at the same time, it was frightening because, you know, you know, it's, you're watching this person walk away from you and you're going to be getting back in your car. And in our case, driving eight hours back home, um, while she lives somewhere else. So it was a mixture of being really proud and really impressed by her maturity and really sad for us that we had to go home without her. Hmm. If you could give Grace any college advice, what would it be? Um, it would be to talk to, start making relationships with other adults on that campus, make sure that she's, um, you know, talking to her professors and not just talking to them, but really trying to uh, make connections to them so that they can be helpful to her and give her good guidance. That's fantastic. Hopefully she'll be listening to this podcast and she'll get that from you if you haven't told her yet. <laughs> Hopefully she will. Yeah. How are you and, and your husband doing at home? We're doing fine at home. And actually, it's a lot of fun to get the very infrequent texts and phone calls that we do get because Grace is having such a good time. And that's really all we wanted is to know that she's learning and being excited and having a lot of fun. It makes it a lot easier to be away from her. That's fantastic. That's great. Hey, I know you're a busy person, and I'm cutting into your time. I'm going to let you go. Okay. Um, and um, please listen to the podcast, and I've really enjoyed it. I'll Thank you very it. much, All Ms. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye. If I... That was Pam Atkins. We thank her for her time. And don't forget, these are
Bora Voices. All right, my name is Isabel Early. I am a senior, and this is my Common App essay. I was created by trees, dense evergreens whose trunks look like a maze of overgrown toothpicks, maples that twist and turn and sow wonderful leaves, and the light that filters through those leaves and falls to the ground, dyed green or red or yellow. I was created by warm summer evenings, the echo of the basketball against asphalt, by the sound of my dad's laughter as we begged him to wrestle us one more time. I was created by secret societies, kids versus grown-ups, girls versus boys. We kept spy notebooks, invented gadgets, made daggers out of popsicle sticks and painter's tape. I was created by wheelchairs, by the tears on my mother's face when she told me my brother wouldn't be able to walk, and the way I thought I never wanted kids because I didn't know if I carried the gene. I was created by Tennessee, by the dense air resting on my shoulders in this deciduous forest we just don't get out west by the bark dripping off of old fences and the smell of heat radiating from the road. I was created by family, by the expression on my brother's face when he tells us about prehistoric animals, his smile so bright I swear he's hiding the sun somewhere in his skull, by late night talks with my sister and the way she teases us when my dad and I talk about math at the dinner table. I was created by my parents' campfire duets and the smell of cornbread after getting home from a long walk. I was created by backpacking, by the fact that my parents met because they both worked as rangers and stripes of sky stacked on top of mountains stacked on top of meadows and how, after my first backpacking trip, I pulled out my crayons and construction paper to try and capture the flowers that huddled around every stream and the motion of the rock underneath the clear, still water. These are Bora Voices. All right, so I have Hattie on the line right now. And Hattie, if you just want to introduce yourself really quick. Yeah, uh, hi, my name is Hattie Smith. I am Ellie's older sister. I'm here at her request to talk about <laughs> college. <laughs> Perfect. Well, could you give me your major and like where you go to school, what year you're in? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I am a sophomore. I'm a communication major at uh, the University of Montana. Uh, in Missoula. Um, it's going good. I'm living it up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I was wondering if you could give us high schoolers any advice for the years coming up or any suggestions that you could give us, any solace in this trying time. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of, I mostly just have advice for like what I would say to myself. That works. Um, and maybe people will find that it's applicable, but yeah. Um, but yeah. If, if it's not universal, I'm going to be a little mad at you. Not going to lie. Okay. Okay, well, I have three pieces of advice for my younger self, so get ready, okay? Okay, I'm ready. Um, okay, to my sophomore self, you are not as smart as you think you are. <laughs> Prestigious <laughs> schools are great, but there are plenty of students just like you who have passions and take multiple AP classes. Um, so my advice to her would be go to a state school and have a great time there. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like you'll, I mean, I don't know. I think there's this, like this, mis this misconception that, that going anywhere other than like an Ivy league or something says something negative about like your intelligence, which like just isn't true <laughs> like at all. And there are smart people everywhere. Um, Ivy leagues just have good names. Um, to my junior self, I would say you're justified in being mad at everyone all the time. High school sucks. You're at class at 8 a.m. until 3, and then you immediately go to work for another six hours at a movie theater, making $7.25 an hour. Uh, I would also be furious. Yep. <laughs> but that anger does not justify being mean. 
So, I don't know, read Catcher in the Rye and just, like, chill out. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, uh, and then to my senior self, I would say that mental breakdown feels completely irrational until you've lost 10 pounds and sobbed for 30 minutes about the Yellowstone supervolcano. It will surprise you to hear this, I know, but mentally well-adjusted people eat more than 1,000 calories a day and do not sob about the Yellowstone supervolcano. Get put on medicine and go to therapy. (laughs) That's my advice for my senior self. To be fair, the Yellowstone supervolcano is pretty scary. That's it's horrifying, but you can't spend like most of your life thinking about it. <laughs> well, that's the that advice. That is a symptom of anxiety. <laughs> well, there's the advice from Hattie Smith. If you think about the yeah. Yellowstone supervolcano more than five minutes a day, go get medicated. Go <laughs> <laughs> get medicated. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you, Hattie. Yes, always. Perfect. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> These are Bora Voices. I'm Zakiya Scott, and this is my Common App essay called Double Consciousness. This quote, written by W.E.B. Dubois, is immensely important to me because it acknowledges a microcosm of the issues African Americans and mixed-race children face when growing up in such a label-based community. It shows that humanity is still grappling with the concept of normalizing other cultures and struggling to embrace those considered to be unlike themselves. He captures my feelings and thoughts completely when he states, It is a peculiar sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others, of measuring one's soul by the tape of a world that looks on in amused contempt and pity. One ever feels his two-ness, an American, an African, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, two warring ideals in one dark body. In this merging, he wishes neither of the older selves to be lost. He simply wishes to make it possible for a man to be both an African and an American without being cursed and spit upon by his fellows, without having the doors of opportunity closed roughly in his face. The year was 2012, and I had just moved to an entirely new state. I traveled from a diverse Oregon to a uniform Idaho in order to stay with some of my mother's family. Lonewinthique, in the space of 430 miles, the societal and cultural norms wouldn't be much different, but that is not the case. I began my journey in an unfamiliar setting, completely unaware of my marked inferiority, unaware of the judgment heavily placed upon me because of the color of my skin, unaware of the assumptions to be made despite the content of my character. I was in fifth grade when I coined the term black friend, or that one black girl. I could no longer walk into a room and just be Zakiah. I was whoever you wanted me to be, no matter what the disparaging association. I didn't see many people who looked like me. There were some Africans, of course, but no mixed kids. I'd often find myself surprised if I saw another person with my skin color or hair texture. My young Caucasian classmates would ask me if I was adopted. Why was my hair like that? Had I gotten electrocuted? Where was I from? It was odd because I had come from a place in which my identity wasn't considered abnormal. After years of being questioned and receiving backhanded compliments like, you must be great at basketball, or you're really pretty for a black girl, I began to despise the attention called on to me because of my skin, and I began to envy their pin straight hair. Mine was so frizzy and big. Theirs was so smooth, easy, manageable. I began to flat iron it every day in order to feel normal. I learned to conform to one culture while rejecting the other in order to gain acceptance.
However, by the time I entered my senior year in high school, I realized that culture isn't something to be ashamed of. I was exposed to more diversity in culture throughout the years as I maintained an online presence. The internet provided a way for me to follow mixed race pages and join clubs in order to connect with people similar to myself. I could watch YouTube videos of others with my hair type and learn how to tame my curls. I could speak to some of my family on my African-American side that I had never met. And I could follow along with celebrities who were advocates for embracing your culture. I discovered ways to find information about how both American and African cultures have special individual customs, ethics, religions, values, and languages that mean something specific and special to them. I've learned my hair is idiosyncratic and eccentric. It may not be to those who are not accustomed to my culture, but I don't care. It's a part of my mixed culture and my identity shaping who I am. It may have taken me a while, but now I know it's possible to embrace more than one culture. I'll never feel as though I'm too black for the white kids or too white for the black again. These are Bora voices. Okay, so we are here in the Pridecast studio with Miss Kimball, who is our lovely career counselor. Um, and I have some questions for her about college admittance, what to do, what not to do. Um, and we're just going to kind of jump in. Great. So what is your main piece of advice to students freaking out over college applications? That's a great question. I would say to those students who are really stressed out about their college applications, is to keep everything in perspective um, and remember that no matter what, it's all going to work out. Um, a lot of times students get really focused on like, where they are going to go to college and it becomes this really stressful, like, where are you going? I don't know. Where are you going? Um, and what I would just encourage students to think about is really what's most important is how you do college once you get there. Um, and you can do college really well anywhere you go. Um, it's kind of all what you make it. So just to keep that in perspective that wherever you end up, it's probably where you were meant to be and that you just have to make the most of it wherever you, when you get there. Yeah. And then on that same note, why do you think there's so much pressure for students to go to like prestigious schools and be the best out of their class? I'm going to Yale or Harvard or wherever they're going to go. Why do you think that's so important to students, I guess, to us? I think there's a lot of emphasis put on um, those students who do get into those special schools. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, we as a society, even, you know, as a school district, as a school, as staff, we all get really excited when somebody gets into <laughs> Yale or Harvard or Stanford. Um, and that excitement somehow translates into, oh, I, I'm not I haven't made it unless I get into one of these really highly selective schools or somehow being in a highly selective school means that somehow I've, I've achieved something greater than everyone else. Um, and so I think that like we, we sort of put that pressure on, on students yeah. inadvertently um, when we get overly excited about a student who mm. gets into say MIT as opposed to a student who gets into College of Idaho. Yeah. You know, we, we send that signal that like, oh, MIT is way better and you should shoot for that. So I think we have to be really careful as a society to just not put so much emphasis on the brand name yeah. and really help students find the fit that's right for them because there's a lot of colleges out there that would be great fits for a lot of students. So, That's yeah. really good advice. Um, my One of my last couple questions, um, 
so once you make it into the school that's right for you, um, do you have any like suggestions on how to like pay for it or any tricky scholarships that are really niche or is there any way that you can make yourself qualified for something that seems really, really specific, even if it might not be? Yeah. So when it comes to financial aid and paying for college, I guess the number one thing, and I'm sure people get sick of me saying this, but the number one thing to do is to submit your FAFSA. Um, Even if you think you're not going to get any money, your parents make too much money, whatever the situation is, um, if you don't submit your FAFSA, the college really can't get a clear picture of how much money you need. Um, And once they have an idea of how much money you need, they can work with that. They can have, you know, colleges have grants, colleges have scholarships, colleges have all kinds of funds that they can help students with. But unless they know kind of where you're starting off, um, they're not going to be able to help you out. And so that's the one thing I would say as well is that most students will get, the, the most money will come from the college itself. Um, I think students always are looking for kind of random scholarships, like that you're left-handed or that you have two different (laughs) colored eyes or something. And those scholarships always sound really fun and interesting, but I truthfully have never heard of a student actually getting one of those scholarships. So I think it's best to just stay focused on the scholarships that the college offers where you're planning to go. Um, And that means specifically if you're applying to more than one college, you have to apply to those scholarships at every college that you're applying to. And that can get a little tedious, um, but you just want to make sure you cover all your bases because that's where you're going to get the bulk of your money is from the college itself. So I would highly recommend go on the college website, make sure you know what scholarships are available, even within a department. If you know you're going to study engineering or biology or communications, each department in college has specific scholarships for students within that department. So you want to make sure you apply for those as well. Perfect. Well, to my left-handed, multicolored-eyed peers, all I have to say is that you will grow wherever you're planted. So just figure it out from there, I guess, and don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just apply where you think is cool and go from there. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Kimball, for talking to us today. And we just want to say, I guess, as the senior class and everyone from board, that we appreciate all the work that you do for us. And thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It's been great to be here. These are Bora Voices. My name is Jenny Kimball, and I'm the college and career counselor here at Bora. This is actually my third year as a Bora Lion, and I love being a part of this staff and community. Um, I love working with the students here. Everybody is so welcoming and um, just has made me feel part of the family, even though I haven't been here that long. So it's it's been great so far. Yeah, well, we've been trying for like three years to get you on the show, so... <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we finally wrangled you. You're very busy, and I know November is like a crazy month. Uh, kids are trying to turn in all their stuff, and then what? Like February, they start hearing back from a lot of those schools. I just remember February is sort of like you know, elation and tears in the hallways. Yes, <laughs> so it's a always bit of always a high anxiety. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 20 of the Bora Pridecast. We'll be back next month with a new show and uh, hope you enjoy all of this there are many helpful tips if you are a student getting ready to uh, plan your college career uh, make sure you swing into miss kimball's office and give her a a quick uh, hello and get underway